0: Twenty WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
1: Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. See, it works. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, who's trying to do about 35 things at once, and succeeding at most of them, (laughs) except for turning on my microphone, and uh, science advisor, Matt Moniz, is here as well. We are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. You can uh, usually find us here at 10 o'clock, or after the Red Sox, or you know, in the case of next week, before the Red Sox, we bounce around quite a bit, but that's the way it goes on AM radio, and... We just go with the flow. Uh, joining us tonight in the studio is Ron Kolick of the New England Ghost Project. He's also the host of the Ghost Chronicles show on ghostvillage.com as well. And he's sitting in with us tonight because he is helping to bring Richard Felix from Most Haunted here to the United States for a series of events coming up over the next few weeks. And uh, he is here to talk with us about that. Good evening, Ron. How are you? Good. It's like uh, trying
2: to... You know, this, is this the uh, Bridgewater Triangle?
1: Well, is that – if you believe in the expanded definition of the tribe, uh-huh. yes. I, I know because when I was,
2: like, driving here, it's, like, takes forever. And you just,
3: you had to drive through it to get here, yeah.
2: Yeah, because it's like, you know, Columbus in the flat world theory. Yeah, So I wasn't sure where I was going to end up, so that that was the thing. But, yeah, thanks a lot. I mean, you guys are really, uh, you're like the pioneers of the paranormal radio shows as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there's tons of them out there, but uh, you guys are like the best and the oldest and the the most well-respected, I think, in the industry.
3: Boy, they have low standards. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. That's
2: that's my kiss-up for tonight.
1: Well, uh, and... and you know we're all about kissing up here and and <laughs> we're happy to take it but we're also happy to give it and uh matt, my, matt and myself have both had a chance to be on your program in the past and and uh we we appreciate you having us and now we're glad that we can reciprocate and the spooky studio door is always open to any time you want to come down i'm sure it's a bit of a hike for you but it's uh, two hours isn't bad really no, no no time time flies when you're leaving at midnight right. trust me on that ask jeff You know, that's why I'm hoping
2: that there really are aliens, uh, because, you know, I would go for one of those alien abductions now and do what you want and put me back at home. Yeah, if they can just, like, plop you back into your bed, it works a lot easier.
1: Well, uh, we are going to talk about all kinds of paranormal activity and events here tonight on the show. Uh, Matt Moniz and myself had a chance the other night, on Tuesday night, we had to be in Fall River for business anyway, uh, something that we have coming up with uh, Eric lavoy and the Dartmouth Anomalies research team. And while we were, you know, having that meeting, we realized, "Hey, wait a minute. Today's August 4th. It's the anniversary of the Lizzie Borden murders, so let's pop over to Lizzie's house." And we had some pretty cool stuff happening.
3: Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh the people that were there were enjoying, you know, a good séance by Liz who was always, you know, entertaining when she does her séances. And uh we decided to go down into the basement and check on uh what happens down in there we were talking to a few of the uh, guests and what they experienced there earlier so we went down to check see if we could replicate it and we wound up basically chasing something around the basement the good portion of
1: the night it's the first time i've actually seen anything i've heard things i've felt things been knocked around by things but i've never actually seen something but we actually saw a i guess you can call it a, a shadow person um it was definitely that description of a shadow figure you know the black silhouette over the darkness behind it
3: well four people all seeing the same thing at the same time locking light as it goes by things yeah it, it was definitely interesting
1: and uh, i mean although we kind of think we know what type of entity this is uh this is the first time that we've seen it and it, it seemed like uh it was definitely trying to mess with us uh it, when we first saw it, we were all in, like, the laundry room area, and we happened to be looking back into the main part of the basement, and it was just standing there staring at, at us. This, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh, all, right. all right. We all see this. <laughs> yeah, so we started chasing it to the back end of the basement, uh, where, like, the hot water heater is and all that stuff, and it ducked behind the corner, and then we were in the middle room. I mean, I'm talking about the the... Land, the blueprints of the house as if everybody knows it right they mostly do by now and uh you know we're in that middle room in the basement and it's going back and forth between the two rooms and and passing by us it uh it passed right through it Passed
3: you. right through me
1: and that that kind of shook you up a uh, little bit
3: every single hair on my body stood up at that point i i hate it when that happens uh it's not the first time it's happened and probably won't be the last. It's just one of those you things. You got a lot I of hair to stand up to. <laughs> it. was, about too. It. <laughs> and we're all
1: looking at it, and we are like, oh, wow. I didn't realize the hair on your arm was so long. <laughs> and, uh, and and then we finally chased it into the corner of the far part of the basement, and it was hiding behind boxes and did not want to come back out. And, uh, you know, we, we tried some different techniques to coax it back out, but it seemed to be done for the night. So we, we figured, left it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, stage left.
2: Two questions for you. Sure. First of all, you sure it wasn't Michael Jackson's ghost, right?
1: I don't think so. I didn't see one
2: glove, so. Uh, If it was,
1: was, we had two young boys with us, like teenage boys, so I can't imagine it would have ran away. away. (laughs) And second of all, why would it run away, by the way? I don't think it was running from us as much as it was trying to make us chase it. Yeah. It was kind of like, you see me? And then it's what it is. That's there. What we think is there is something negative, not a not a demonic, but something that's old and and just you know really mad that we're there. Yeah, it's just it's it, it's a pain in the ass.
3: That's what it is. Like an elemental with an attitude. Okay, sort of like a puck would you...
1: Sure. I mean, this might be tied into those to those ideas because it's that area. Uh, was prime candidate for that type of uh, incident back when it was still uh, yeah, un- pre-colonial. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever it is, it, it likes to just mess around. It likes to, you know, like one time I said, don't push me on the stairs, and it pushed me on the stairs. You know, it just kind of, I wouldn't say it's playful, but it's definitely going to do whatever it knows will irk you. And I think it was kind of just showing us a little bit, and, and it's what it is is it's further proof that it's escalating each time that we go there. Uh, each time, at least each time that I go there, it gives me a little bit more and more, I I don't know why, but, uh, and I was on my best behavior that night, you can attest to that. Yes, he was, actually. During the seance, I didn't drop the I word once. Nope. I did not speak of the inappropriate relationship of Mr. Borden and Lizzie, the speculation of that relationship. I kept that to myself, and still it decided to come out and mess around with us, so. So, you guys have been there, like, many times, right? Yes. Oh. (laughs) Okay. So, do you find?
2: I mean, you guys do other investigating too, right mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, do you find that the more you go to a place, the more the spirits know you, and
1: they react accordingly? I think that's definitely the case here. I think the more I go there, the more it doesn't like me. Okay, uh, it's, so call- it's just you. It's not matter. Or- it's it's messed around with you in the past too, but uh, not uh, like it does, Tim. It's so far, the, the only one that's been Tim. directly called and it's directly called me an a-hole through EVP. It's directly told me to go myself through EDP, yeah. So oh, That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, did we play those on the show? I just realized we probably played those on the show. Did um, we really? I think we did. <laughs> yeah. FCC finds. You gotta love them. <laughs> All right. Well, are we connected with our guest tonight, Matt? Is it, is it working? Um, I think so. All right. Well, why don't we take a break? And when we come back on the other side, we'll get into the discussion with our guest, Richard Felix. You know him from the program Most Haunted. We're going to talk with him about all things paranormal, find out more about some of the paranormal happenings in the U.K. Maybe we'll even get into a little debate. What's more haunted, Old England or New England? I think they got the historical edge on us. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. What? What's up? I've been thinking. Remember oh, how God. we remember how we were talking about creating a new spooky South Coast theme? Yes. Yeah, I've decided we can't do that. Okay. Because people know and love the original theme. We got to stick with that. So I don't know if you're working on anything, yeah. but uh, I, I definitely would stop. Okay. I'm, I'm all about stopping working. There you go. So. I just don't want RJD2 or DJR2D2. Whatever. <laughs> I just don't want them to sue us, basically. So uh, if he's listening, tell him we'll give him some spooky South Coast hats and T-shirts. I think he'd be cool with it. You think so? Sure. We should try to get in touch with him. Yeah. Or was it better off if he just doesn't know? It might be better off. (laughs) uh... (laughs) We'll go with that. All right. Well, our guest tonight, you know him as the historian from the show Most Haunted, and uh, he's been a, a paranormal enthusiast and investigator for a long time. He's good friends with Ron Kolick, who's here with us tonight from New England Ghost Project, and... Ron's bringing him over here now. are you, are you footing the bill, Ron? Are you are you paying it? <laughs> all right. Joining us on the line is Richard Felix, all the way from England, where it's uh, three o'clock in the morning over there. So, are you there, Richard? Hello.
4: There. It's even worse. half as three now. Oh, <laughs> I know. I,
1: I can. Sorry about it. And I can imagine. <laughs> I, I can imagine we're keeping you up. I hope, I hope you got at least a little nap in first thank you very much yes i did i set
4: the alarm clock for quarter to three and and uh, and got up again but uh well worth it uh only too pleased to be on really am. i've been looking forward to this
1: well thank you we're glad to have you here and you know the good thing is at three o'clock in the morning that's when all the paranormal activity happens so
4: you never know i'm actually uh well i'm sat looking out of a window down onto a medieval moated site that's at the bottom of one of my fields and uh Um, It's a place I've never dared go to alone, would you believe, in in 24 years that I've lived here, so uh, you never know, something might suddenly come up the field towards me. I hope not, because you know I'm frightened of ghosts.
1: Well, uh, you know, I've got the same uh, issue going on at my house, uh, where I live. I live uh, in kind of a a haunted area in in a town over here of Wareham, which is, you know, a a sister town to, to a town over there, but... Yeah. Around my house, there's there's a lot of reports of activities, and some friends of mine have been trying to get me to bring them out on an investigation, and I kind of don't want to know what's in my own backyard.
4: That's so true. It's so right that is, because you know, how how do you cope with 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 knowing that there is something there that at any any time of the well the day or night, preferably not at night, you might see something. And yet, come on, guys, we're supposed to be ghost hunters, aren't we?
1: Yeah, but come on. There's only so much of it you can take, and you want to leave. You know, leave work at the office.
4: I couldn't agree more. It's absolutely right. Because um, as I say, I, I've I've been frightened of ghosts all my life, and and one of the one of the stipulations when when we moved here was the first thing I asked the guy. In fact, when we were buying, it was, <laughs> is it haunted? Because if it is, I I don't honestly think that I could. Um, I don't think I could cope with it. I don't think I could live in a place that was haunted. Well. Uh...
1: Over there in in the u k you know from if we can believe what people say you know it's it's extremely haunted over there, and there's kind of ghosts everywhere you turn. Would you consider that to be factual, you know living there and and investigating there
4: Yes, i would and it was I took quite quite a great interest to what to what you said at the you know, just before the break um about you know New England and old England um, ghosts are an english speaking people's thing, and of course it all seemed to originate. Once again, you don't know what you're talking about, Richard Felix. (laughs) Now, listen here, you. Listen here. Um, I know for a fact that, I mean, I'm I'm talking about America, Australia, New Zealand, Australia, uh, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Uh, And I'm not saying that there aren't ghosts, because there are in in France and and, and and everywhere else. What about Japan? Japan loves ghosts. You know that. Sorry? Japan loves ghosts. I know they do. I know they do. But they don't seem to have the same... The same I mean, is, is there a Tokyo ghost walk? I don't know. I've never yeah. been to Japan. There could is, there, be. <laughs> is there a Dortmund ghost walk? Is there a, um, a Toulouse ghost walk? I don't think so. And yet, you know, there are nine ghost walks a night going around, around York. Um, God, of so, so eight in, 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 in Edinburgh. Um Three in Derby, um, and, and so on and so on. It, it just seems to be so much more our thing. Well, um, you know what? Maybe they uh, take it more serious than we do, and they don't try to commercialize it. It's something that's more in our psyche for some reason. Um, and I'm talking about yourselves as well. I'm talking about. I'm straight, but you see, <clears throat> the funny thing is that when I, when I was talking to a guy in Australia recently, and he was telling me that the ghost stories in Australia only originate from when the British came.
1: Hmm. there's no like none of the aborigines or any of those people have any kind of ghosts in their culture
4: they do but they don't
1: have the
4: the same ghost stories and the same um in other words there are there is a sydney ghost walk there you know that there, there are ghost walks all around australia but it, the aborigines i mean they, they believe in 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 life after death mm-hmm. uh the dead return but it's not the same not quite the same thing as this this scary ghost I, thing. I that,
1: was just going to hit but, on that. What, you, what you're saying is there isn't the fear association with ghosts in some of no. these other cultures that we kind of have in our Western world. Absolutely.
4: I mean, I, for instance, the Mexicans, as far as I know, I don't think they fear their dead returning. They they actually welcome it. So they throw them a big festival, a big party. Exactly. That's the, that's the difference. So there's something something different, and I'm not sure what. I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. But the second thing is that... Um, I'm a great believer in there being two, in my opinion, there are two main types of whatever this word means, ghost. And and number one is what I believe a lot of people mistakenly think is a ghost, which is nothing more than a recording, a residual energy Mm -hmm. uh, in the fabric of the building. Uh, You've heard of it, of course, the stone tape theory, uh, stone buildings uh, contain silica, the, the, the redder the, the, the stone, the more iron oxide there is in it, which of course is rust, which is magnetic. Exactly the same with bricks. Bricks are red because they contain a lot of iron oxide, which is which is rust. Uh, and their bricks are made purely of silica, which of course the um, microchip in, in your in your computer is also made of silicon, which holds a memory. Um, so, in other words, we've got this recording side of ghosts, where the ghost walks through the wall, doesn't interact with you, because and is dressed exactly the same as it was moments before it died because it folks it's nothing more than a recording it's not an intelligence and it can't interact with you that's what we have more of in england than you have because you ain't got so many stone and brick buildings as we have so what i believe you have over there are much more of a an entity a a spirit a soul an intelligence of something that stayed behind for a reason so you, you, we we appear to have more ghosts because we're seeing things in stately homes, castles, stone cottages, old brick buildings that we call a ghost. But it's not. It's a recording.
1: And I, I also I feel, at least in, in my dealings with, with people from the U.K., that they do have a greater sense of, of their history of what's happened in your country than we kind of have here, you know? We're so... Uh, You know, to us, and we were talking about this uh, before, too, uh, here in the studio, but to us, history in this area only began 230 years ago when we settled this place as a country. And maybe, you know, we'll pay a little attention to the colonial history before that, but anything pre-colonial, we tend to ignore, and we don't count it as part of our history.
4: True. That's very true. But I I would say that you have... um... Possibly more interest in your history in a way than we do we I mean I'll tell you the problem we've got is we've got so, so much of it coming out of our ears that we tend to to discount it oh not another castle, oh not another stately home and another battle and but i mean you have more respect and I think that you also um bring out your history far more than we do uh, i mean you you're the guys that started reenactment. Um, it was never heard of in 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 England. I mean, I I I'm, I've been a reenactor for the past 40 years, uh, dressing up in red coats and and um, you tell me Highland kit, all sorts of stuff. When I started doing it, I was laughed at by people over here. It was like being a, a, a silly silly kid playing cowboys and Indians. But well, you you taught us that. You so know you, why we
1: like to do reenactments over history. here. You know why we like to uh, do them. Sorry, I missed that. I said, you know why we like to do reenactments here? Because you haven't got anything that's original. Because we won. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you were. Hang on a minute. I I remember a little incident in 1812 when we first <laughs> built building down. I think we got a Johnny Horton song. Let's go to that. But uh, <laughs> it it really is. No, it, you're right, though. It, it really is. um uh, When you're over there, when you're in your country, you know, the history does kind of slap you right in the face so much that you do kind of turn a blind eye to it. But here we find that so much of, you know, what people could appreciate, they they don't either. For example, uh, we have the benefit uh, here at Spooky South Coast of frequently investigating a tavern that was built in 1692, and that once actually housed, you know, there was a Loyalist family there, and they housed British soldiers in a in a hideaway closet, a little secret passageway. And, you know, this is a fascinating story to us, right in our own hometown, and very few people in the town know anything about it. It's, it's sitting right there, and they could find out more, and they don't know. Or here, we had King Philip's War... Which is where the uh, English colonists uh, had a revolt on their hands from the Native Americans, and you know it was the bloodiest war per capita fought in the United States and These are things that we 're only just bringing to the audience now because they 're not in our history books
4: wow now i' re- now you said i 'd never heard of that at all That's, that is absolutely fascinating and i I am surprised um, where, when you when you have such a a, a short history um, that you haven't um, exploited things like that that is really amazing and but then again there's always bloody. something new
1: isn't it isn't it exciting
4: when you when you find out about it
1: well especially when you're looking at the paranormal circumstances in this particular area we're we're lucky enough or unlucky enough to be in a paranormal vortex that's known as the bridgewater triangle and for many years nobody could explain why all this stuff was happening but when you start you know, looking at King Philip's War and, and how bloody these battles were, as Matt Moniz just said, and when you start looking at the amount of tragedy and loss of life here, and plus you take into that the Native Americans' belief about this land, you can kind of understand why there's so many ghosts and spirits here.
4: Yeah. In other words, you, you've got all the ingredients there um, mm-hmm. to add up to you know lots and lots of hauntings, which is what I'm all about. You know, I, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to the bottom of what it's all about. Um, i'm trying to to explain to people why there are ghosts rather than just the the acceptance of oh there's a ghost in the house you actually uh, have a new book i want to know right? why i want to know who they are why they're there what happened to them that causes them to still be here and and that you hit the nail on the head there you know that you, tragedy trauma premature death battle um and don't forget that, the church richard you. don't forget the church Oh, no. <laughs> I will never forget the church, Ron. Don't
1: worry about that, my friend. There, um, there are psychological know, scars involved. Honest. You're right. There, there, there definitely are psychological scars involved, but it can't just be you know, tragedy and trauma that causes all of this either. It's, what you know, the the physical factors you were talking about before, the geophysical factors, and we, we've we got a lot of that here too, but ours is more natural. Instead of having the stone buildings that you have over there and the castles and all these other abbeys that are over there, we actually have, you know, field stone that's out there right in the fields that are full of granite and quartz. Uh, we have right. rock formations uh, that, that hold all this stuff. So with us, it's kind of a more... Uh, it's more of a natural thing. It's more out in the the forests, probably, are more haunted than some of the homes around here, and, and we haven't really locked it into a location like you have over there.
4: No, no, I understand that. So, so in other words, there's just as much chance of of you having ghosts outside, um, as mm-hmm. as having them inside, or at least some of them possibly being recordings of of of, of events that have happened that are very emotional and not necessarily just just. Uh, horrid events but you know happy events as well where people have sort of left a recording of themselves um in the as you've said in the granite and the stone the silica uh the iron oxide all the things that make up a recording and energy probably emanating from the earth in certain places as well
3: well a lot of the reports we get come from around quarries so yeah they are you see
4: yeah. i think i think i am because this i've got a new book coming out which goes into this in in great detail um I just think that you, you, you need the energy to cause the recording, which comes from us. Um, each one of us emits two kilowatts of electricity in a 24-hour period, um, which is, I find, absolutely amazing. Uh, and we can also harness uh, the energy we need in time of crisis, which can cause a flash bang, call it what you will, that actually causes the recording to be made in a particular place. Um, and then people keep seeing it over and over again and what do we call it a ghost
1: and and here when we look at these you know residual hauntings these these leftover kind of recordings as you're saying you know oh, yeah. here our, our, our recordings aren't nearly as long aren't nearly as uh historical as some of the ones that you might see whereas you know there might be spirits that appear to be from the 1400s 1200s, 1600s you know most of our spirits are either colonial or victorian in their time period because we just don't have that long of a history here in these structures to record
4: that's right, absolutely. But the other one, and here we—this is exactly the same. I'm going to ask a question that that I've never asked before, um, and I'm, I'm very interested in the answer. Same thing applies, then, does it, as as Australia? Do you see ghosts of red, red Indians?
2: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. It you does. Do. It, we do actually, yes. And in, in in abundance. in,
4: like this, do, uh, in this
1: area, we do, but only because I think it's directly related to that King, King Philip's King War. War and the fact that we did have this such a bloody battle and, and series of battles that happened. I mean, there was, uh, there was something like 60,000 dead, and the war didn't even last a year. And when you think about what the population was at the time between colonists and natives, it, it wasn't that high. So to have that many people die was... yeah yep. but
3: what you're talking about, the 60,000 was only in that one-year period. You're leaving out the total of the 50 years prior to that of all of the battles and skirmishes that... Mm-hmm. Ex went in they estimated into the millions
1: so it's just, it's a high level of uh, high concentration of of deaths and trauma and tragedy here in relation to those people that uh, we do get a lot of those spirits, but if you look at other stories across the country, uh, you don't really see as many Native American spirits in other places unless it's um, something more to do with the the religion aspect of the people or, or the spirituality of that people. Yeah. Uh, it's so, not I mean, really just pueblo Indian ghosts wandering the 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 uh, caves there.
4: Yeah, isn't it interesting? I mean, I mean, for instance, you know, what what is the percentage? I wonder if anybody's ever worked this out. The percentage of of uh, ghosts of of uh, guys from the Seventh Cavalry compared to ghosts of uh, the Sioux and various other um, nations that that took part at Little Bighorn.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it, it's got to be. I think it helps the fact that the natives were so uh, spiritual in their beliefs that they believed that the spirit lived on that they believed the spirit was tied into the earth I think that definitely might have an effect on why their spirits can still be hanging around now
4: Mm. Mm. It's an interesting one though isn't it because I mean then without being funny getting I'm sure Ron's only just only waiting for me to get onto the church um, (laughs) which which I suppose I can't not do. See I'm a great believer that, that people that believed in well certainly Christianity um, some of them are still here because of the nature of their death or their fear of actually moving on and I'm now not talking of a residual spirit, uh, sorry I'm not talking residual energy, I'm talking about a spirit soul intelligence that that can choose to stay or choose to go Um, and I think some of them are here because of the nature of their death, they were blown to pieces and didn't didn't get a decent burial Their, their body wasn't whole on death Uh, and all these fears, of course. In other words, as you call it over there, closure, um, Mm -hmm. laid to rest, as we call it over here. Um, If people weren't laid to rest, that means their spirit can still be
1: not at rest. See, Um, it's interesting because this is something that I've been kicking around in my head for a while, and and it seems like you're on the same wavelength that I'm thinking. Well, you'd be careful with Ron if he sat next to you, then. (laughs) (laughs) It it seems like uh, whatever your belief is in life, that can uh, directly affect... You know whether or not you'll still be around here on this plane in death thank you yeah
4: absolutely right um and and one of the obviously the 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 the, 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 the roman church as it was called that, that came into being uh certainly in great britain uh around 306 a.d uh my god that's a so long time is it about seventeen eighteen hundred years ago um, it, it, it started straight away by ruling by fear, um, and that was Still. creating all of the terrifying Wait, But doesn't that, every um, government and
2: every institution rule by fear?
4: Oh yeah, but yes it did. But we, but the, but the Roman Church actually established. You used the fear of, of divine retribution, hellfire, and damnation instead of spears and swords, and it worked. It was the first real, proper form of government, if you like, and it terrified people into towing the line which i think is a very good idea personally um but now we've lost you see so i the question i ask so often is has anybody ever heard of the ghost of a caveman in england and they have and and there's i do know of one uh riding on a horse carrying a a stone a stone club in his hand um but that's one compared to the thousands of of of, hey of ghosts cavemen see. rode horses richard yeah cavemen rode horses they did yeah When did they domesticate uh, horses? We've been riding horses over here for the best part of 20,000 years, I think. In fact, that's another question. Why do we only see the ghosts of animal ghosts? Do we only see cats, dogs, and horses, which, of course, are animals that have cohabited with us for the best part of 20,000 years? Not necessarily.
2: There's a farm in, uh, uh, who's that? Joshua Warren wrote a book. There's a farm in Canada and there's also a place in Georgia where supposedly you can see prehistoric ghosts, uh, oh, dinosaurs. Yes, I have
4: heard that. But yeah. again, are we talking of a time slip, or are we talking of the ghost, the spirit, the soul uh, of the animal? Because we don't of the animal know, animal, Richard. That's spirit. what it's because all say, about. Have you, really ever, have you ever heard of a ghost pig or a haunted abattoir? Because we
1: should. Well, shouldn't there be ghosts of every bug that I've ever spotted? There you go. Yes. Yes, there should. It's pretty, depending, no, depending it, that goes back to of the soul, old dude. He spotted it.
4: But really and truly, cats, dogs, and horses, not only do we see them, but they also tend to be sensitive themselves. Um, but that's because they live with us. It, you know, has part of our, what's the word I'm looking for, psyche passed on to them. Is that why we see the, the ghost of our fa- favorite horse or our favorite dog? But you don't see the ghost of your, of your pet donkey or, or your, or, I or don't know, there's bird. something in it.
2: What about what? pet birds? But, but the thing is, are we creating these ghosts with our own psyche, or, or do they really exist?
4: Oh, that's I mean, the beauty of... Um, that's, what, that's exactly... Well, I mean, obviously, this, isn't, this is not... You can't see me, but I'm, I'm now, I've am now. got my hand in front of me, and I'm saying, is the ghost there? And I'm now putting the ghost to my head and saying, or oh, is the ghost there?
1: And, and that is the, the chicken and the egg debate when it comes to paranormal activity. Is it, is it really happening, or are we making it happen? And are, are we making it happen because we want it to happen or, or is the fact that we want it to happen allowing it to happen it's just yeah, it, it's yeah. just become such a circular debate that uh, listen listen that's the tr- until we
4: start to try and understand what's going on in our brain in our mind uh and our consciousness then 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 i don't think we will understand because you know it, I, I mean what it's it's in your perception but does that mean you're not really seeing it or does it mean that only you are seeing it um I, I don't know. It, what about colourblind people? They're looking, you know, and five people in a room, and you point to, to a, a shield that, that's bright red and say, "Can you tell me what colour that is?" They're, oh, that's red. Well, what about the, the colourblind person that sees it as green? It, it, it's in your perception, isn't it?
1: It is. But when you can have, you know, many people having the same perception over and over again, oh. uh, you know, then you've got to like, think it's, it's something beyond just what's in yourself.
4: Yeah, absolutely right that's that's different and again i think uh, wait a minute unless, so unless it's mass
1: hysteria t- or,
2: or certain circumstances that cause that image to appear to certain people
3: mass hysteria i
2: hate when people use i know that. that's why i just pressed that button there mass is, do you know what <laughs> actual it? mass hysteria is you, you tell me matt it's you're the science m- advisor it's a mob mentality yeah okay so kind of like an obama
1: thing yeah
3: <laughs> let's not go down that road
1: uh, join us for two hours of political talk. But uh, it really does seem, though, like, you know, as, as more and more people are documenting the paranormal and as more people are, are you know, seeing the same things, uh, reporting the same activity, we do have to start asking ourselves, is it the fact that it really is there and it really is repeating, or is somebody just seeing it because they heard or read somebody else's report, and now when they go in there, they can kind of create the same activity with their mind?
4: that's a possibility that's very much a possibility but i mean as as what you said about more and more people documenting things i mean 20 years ago when i started doing ghost tours around the city of derby um i'd I'd say say i'd have 30 people and we, we i mean we're talking of something that goes on they go on three hours we stop at two haunted pubs on the way around and they get themselves a candlelit supper at the end of the night so i get plenty of time to talk to them it's not just me being the guide and sticking to a script. Mm-hmm. We talk, we sit down in the pub, and that one of the things I said in one of the pubs and still do. So, has anybody ever seen a ghost or heard a ghost or sensed a ghost? And 20 years ago, in a group of 30 people, I'd probably have three people uh, who put their hand up very slowly. Then, then the people sitting with them would, would make jokes about the fact that they'd seen it or they'd been they'd had too much to drink or whatever. Now, 20 years on, if I asked a group of 30 people, I would get At least 10, possibly 15 people putting their hands up. And it's not because more people are seeing ghosts. It's purely and simply that more people are prepared to admit it because they're not frightened of being ridiculed anymore. So we've always, always seen ghosts. There's always been something there. Um, But it's now coming out, if you like, and people are starting to, at long last, treat it with a bit of, I suppose you could say, respect. Well, rather than
1: ridicule It's a little different in your case because you're, you're a television personality, television presenter. People recognize you, and so they may go up to you and start talking to you uh, about ghosts. But us three here in Spooky South Coast, and maybe, Ron, this is the case with you as well, you know, we're radio personalities. Our faces aren't really out there a whole lot. And I'll find that when I'm walking around or if I... You know, if I go to a yard sales or something, you know, there usually ends up being a discussion about ghosts that pops up. It's like there's something about me that makes people think that they can start telling me these stories. Are you sure you're not one? I don't think so. (laughs) If I am, uh, I'm in the wrong end of the business here.
4: Yeah, too right you are. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But, but, I
4: mean, yes, I agree with you. (coughs) (coughs) But, of course, people just, you know, People stop me in the street and uh, in the same way and just talk uh, uh, ghost. But uh, even so, because my son, uh, my eldest son Ed, has taken over the the reins and he does just ghost walks for me. Uh, and he he will actually say the same sort of thing. You know, there's a much bigger awareness, uh, and it's it's down to to, to programs like yourselves, um, obviously programs like Most Haunted and and, and Taps and and um, Dead Famous and and all these ghost programs that have sort of on TV and radio are creating more of an awareness um, in the whole subject, which I think is absolutely great because, you know, perhaps, perhaps it, before long, people will start taking the whole damn thing seriously uh, and start spending a bit of money on research and to find out more about what it's all about.
1: Yeah, and if people would stop spending all this money to uh, offer up prizes to debunk things, uh, for example, James Randi, if you took that million dollars and invested it, and true paranormal research. Instead of just trying to disprove it, maybe we could get a little bit closer.
4: Yeah, yeah. It, it really is about time that we that we woke up. Uh, I mean, I, I say I've said this on 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 uh, the program with Ron um, that that uh, we we've still got our, our blinkers on, like the, like the horses used to have in the good old days that used to tow the carts, um, and that was to stop them from looking around and being frightened at the tr- of the traffic. Um, We've still got blinkers on. We're just looking in front of us uh, and wandering around like zombies. But you've got to realize, r-
2: Richard, I mean, th- the whole industry is built upon fakery. I mean, right and, back in uh, the b- fakery. R- r- look at uh, Mumble, right? The first yeah. spirit photographer, you know, it's- charged people money for, uh, you know, Todd Lincoln with the Lincoln. And what it was, it was fake. They went to a trial and. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have all these uh, seances back well, in the 30s. But not only that, it's not. And we still have fakes out there.
1: It, even the <laughs> even the interest in sorry to cut you off, Richard, but even the interest in ghosts oh, that we have now is. It's not just predicated on personal experience. It's not just predicated on scientific understanding and desire to understand. A lot of it is predicated on the fact that they watch horror movies and they're scared by it and they want to chase that same thrill. We've reached a point where we've seen everything that the horror genre can pretty much offer us and we can't be scared by the imaginative anymore, so now we have to be scared by the reality. And a lot of people who are looking for ghosts are just fear junkies.
2: But, but what's happening with all the the programs that are out there, and like most haunted, like ghost hunters, like uh, paranormal state, I mean, aren't they swaying the public as well? I mean, you guys are all ghost hunters. You know that that's not the way it goes down. Those are... Entertainment shows,
1: and they, they are—they're catering to that fear-seeking right. audience, exactly. which is, you know, kind of doing a disservice to the field because we're expecting that everything, you know, when, when somebody pays, say, you know, they pay to go to one of your paranormal right. events or one of ours or one, or one of these, they want to be scared, and that's what they're expecting. They're expecting something to jump out of the corner instead of, you know, something maybe very subtly making a connection with them.
3: You can't make these—they're not dogs.
4: So right. We have to get away. Well, no. I mean, TV... I mean, you see, the ghost walks that we do, right, I, I, I'm afraid to have to admit that on, on every ghost walk we do, we actually scare people... I won't use the word, but we scare them to death. Um, <laughs> uh, we have um, ghosts that come out and, and do things in cellars. And But they, they've come out on a night out. They have a, a, a couple of drinks on the way around. Lots of ghost stories that are, that are factual, all to do with... Uh, real historical events that happened but I'm afraid they would go home disappointed if they didn't, if someone didn't jump out and scare them mm-hmm. because that's what they've come for But um, and of course TV and Hollywood and M.R. James and, and all the other ghost writers are, are all doing the same sort of thing because that's what we crave that's why we like to sit down around a campfire and then get back into the tent terrified in the woods because we love it but there's another side to it, and that's the side that you, you guys are into, and I'm into as well, um, where we actually owe it to the public and probably to the ghosts to let people know what the reality is. And it's not a scare factor. The profession of a ghost is not to scare you. If it had one, it's I, not there to get you at three o'clock in the morning. But that's I, what we think.
1: I've got to ask you then. The programme you were on most haunted is one okay. of the ones that is uh directly accused of, of pandering to this fear audience and and uh you know directly accused of playing up the uh you know the scare yeah, factor.
4: Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um two hundred but you see the problem is if 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 you the 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 public sat there watching uh, as, you, as we do and as you do when you're out ghost hunting you know, we, say we feel, we're doing 24 hour vigil you know 23 hours and I don't know how many minutes we, we spend sitting watching paint dry mm-hmm. um, where absolutely nothing happens um, I think there's room for a reality show that actually shows it as it really is um, but most of the TV producers and companies don't agree with that they believe that, that you have to be scared to death um, all the time that the show's on. Well, because um, Taps
1: and Most I, Haunted have made a successful formula out of it, and and television's kind of a copycat business where they want to go with what works. So, because you know shows such as uh, Most Haunted, you know, Ghost Hunters, and Paranormal State are popular, they're just looking for things that'll fit that mold.
4: Absolutely. But you see, I genuinely think that. Uh, in other words, you, you, so I'm there. We're in a program, and and the door slams shut. We're in a haunted location and the door slams shut, and whoever's with me or whatever screams like hell, I run because I'm trying to ghost and and I'm in a haunted (laughs) location. You jump off the sofa at home, then we go away and find out why the door slams shut. And it's every possibility. In other words, what we have to do is tick the normal boxes before we even consider paranormal. But unfortunately, on most ghost shows, when that door slams, a scary ghost slammed it shut. Well, and but it's much more likely it's a windy night, and the
1: door—someone left the window open. And I know, I know our audience. I know the spooky South Coast audience, and I know that they hold us to uh, some some degree of journalistic standards when it comes to paranormal interviews. And I, I know they're dying to have me ask questions about the accusations of of things being faked on shows like Most Haunted. And we've seen stuff on YouTube and everything where people are accusing it. But I'm going to go this route with it, and I'm going to say uh, that. I never remember anybody on Mosana coming out and saying that you're giving us an accurate portrayal of paranormal activity. I don't remember it being anything more than an entertainment program, and therefore that is going to gear toward what your reactions are to phenomena. When something happens in the back of your mind, there's a camera right there, and you've kind of got to react for that camera. In In reality even though you say that you are afraid of ghosts. In reality, if the four of us and yourself were all in a haunted location and a door slammed, we wouldn't run screaming. We'd be like, you know, what the heck was that? And we'd stand there, and we'd wait, and we'd ask it to do it again. And we'd try to, you know, just as you were saying, see if somebody left a window open. So, you know, what's being done on these programs may be doing a disservice to the paranormal field in some people's eyes, but all it's really doing is making it a little bit more reactionary, a little bit more... Entertaining when in reality, if most of these people did it, you know, Matt Moniz, it'd be like you, you know, doing a scientific experiment where you're going to make your own glue. You know, after a while, it's like, oh, I've done this every day and, you know, I'm used to this happening.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem. We all know full well that the the amount of paranormal activity that, ha- that actually goes on in a building in a 24 hour period when there's a TV crew or you're sat there or any other, you know, ghosts do not appear for audiences. <laughs> they do not jump through hoops when we tell them or ask them to do it, mm-hmm. um, so there you know there will be times when nothing happens, but I still believe that that you've got a crew of people in there we 're in a supposedly haunted location <clears throat> that's probably scary enough on its own. The lights are out, which of course you all, we all know they don't have to be. You can just as easily see a ghost in the daylight as you can in the dark, mm-hmm. but of course it's more scary at dark in the dark we're all hyper, we're all tensed up, and if any any movement or anything does happen, then there's every possibility people are going to jump. Uh, And you will probably jump at home. And that, in my opinion, is probably, probably enough. Um, And then they go off and they, they try and find out what it is that's doing it. And there may be times where we actually can't tick all those boxes. You know, there are boxes empty, which means there could be paranormal activity going on. I really think there is room for a genuine paranormal research program on the television. And that's what I'm working on at the moment.
1: Well, that's that's excellent. I mean, if you, if you can get that to happen and get people to watch, then that can be a, a major earth shaker in the field. And I can tell you right now, we'd be 100% behind it because we'd love people to see it. We We've talked about doing a DVD where people can see, you know, the actual... Investigation process, and and then see if you want to go out there and start up your own group, or then see if you want to, you know, call yourself a paranormal investigator when you see, you know, it's it takes a lot of uh, a lot of coffee and uh, in some people's oh, cases a few it, cigarettes.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You see, I've done. I've funnily enough with a guy called Steve Parsons who, who runs a group in 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 England called Parascience. I don't know whether you've heard of him. Uh, he, he is he is well. I mean, he he. To me is one of the best uh, Or his group is one of the best I hate to say it One of the best groups in the world um, And he has just completed For having enormous flaws That I don't work on Spooky South Coast is bad The key of the whole thing Is to think as a child And for me that comes very easy i am not afraid you
1: South Coast, Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa science advisor at Matt Moniz, and sitting in with us from the New England Ghost Project Ron Kolick. and Ron is actually bringing Richard Felix over here to the United States or, or at least you know putting him up for a night or two in his house right I doubt that <laughs> he's got all you're these... lucky if he gets a pint for me there you go well, and he's just going to complain about whatever American oh absolutely try to give him I'm he's sure. going to
2: blame everything on the church and the uh, the state and everything else.
1: Well, I say I say, make sure he drinks Sam Adams while he's here, you know, just to rub it in a little. No, you, you can't have beer that's cold. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be room temperature. Sorry, Richard? Uh, not
4: really, I don't drink cold beer. Beer has to be room temperature. But uh, don't worry, I'm quite happy to drink Sam Adams. There you go. <laughs> and spirits from behind the bar as well. You,
2: you know, one thing you, you you guys mentioned a little bit before, and, uh, you know, last year um, David Wells from Most Haunted came over and we did some stuff with him. Uh, and he, the, He's a psychic, mm-hmm. unlike Richard, who's a psychic, as a brick. But oh, yeah. uh, the one thing that, you know, he would go to, a, like, a hotel and everything, and they would want to put him up in, like, the haunted room, and he would absolutely move. <laughs> said, I have no part of that. I mean, that's, the, you know, when you're a psychic. Any of you guys psychic? I, I really don't know. Matter or i a... uh,
3: I've been uh, accused of being psychotic. Psychotic, yeah. So, what about you, Tim?
1: I'm so insensitive to living people, I can't imagine I'd be sensitive to dead people. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, absolutely. And the silent assassin doesn't talk. He's no. he's a skeptic. Yeah.
1: He's even skeptical about joining in the conversation sometimes. That's true.
2: That's true.
1: Do you have a note on your, on your <laughs> beverage? It says, stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. so anyway i think you need to yeah you need to give some of that to richard it's only uh 11, 11 10 here so we, we've got a full slate of events here ron that that you guys are putting together it looks like just about every night here you've got something planned uh from august 18th uh going through the end of august and then some dates in september and october as well uh let's see uh august 18th a Haunted Evening at the Worthen with with Most Haunted, Richard Felix. Uh, Friday, August 21st, a ghost investigation at the Ghosts of Gettysburg headquarters. Uh, investigation of the Daniel Lady Farm on the 22nd. Uh, dinner Event at the Historic Haunted Dobbin House, also on the 22nd. Dining with the Dead, Monday, August 24th. All of these events are all up on your website, Ron, on anyghostproject.com, right? Right, any Lake New England. And uh, people can buy tickets right through these clickable links that are there? Absolutely. And what are the costs associated with most of these events? It, it varies. I mean, we have one that's an all-day affair where we're going to
2: three lighthouses, a jail, and uh, the only observatory on the uh, East Coast, and includes a lobster dinner. So that's like about 100 bucks. I think it's 109 or something now, you've like that. Have you
1: seen how much lobster goes for yeah, these I days? Know. It's probably worth it just Do you know
2: they actually have a, a lobster war in Maine? Not to change the subject, really? but I did. A lobster war? Yeah, the sinking boats and stuff from mm-hmm. fellow lobstermen and everything. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> paranormal guys going around and, you know, putting voices on somebody else's EV recorders and stuff. We've well, done that. <laughs> well, <you've> done <laughs> I don't <laughs> doubt it.
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a great slate of events. It's a chance to get out and meet and investigate with Richard Felix and, and Ron and Maureen as well. <laughs> and, I mean, do you find that when you put these events on, uh, I know that the economy is really hurting people's uh, chances to get out there and do this stuff but i also know that you know your events are very affordable uh, i mean are you finding that even now with with people so Cautious about spending money, they're still willing to come out and put some money down for a chance to actually investigate and, and experience the paranormal one-on-one.
2: Oh, absolutely! I mean, you know, I had to overlook, or, I mean, overcome a, a big obstacle, which is Richard Felix. You know, uh, but anyways, uh, we're trying. <laughs> yeah, they, they are coming out, which is cool. I mean, we the 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 the, um, the first one, the Worthing. I don't know if you guys know anything about the Worthing and law, no. but that's like the bar that. Edgar and Poe used to hang out in? No. Oh. In Jack Kerouac there, whatever
3: it is. Once upon a midnight dreary, as yeah. I pondered, we didn't
1: so You can't mention Poe uh, po around Moniz without him watching. You, into you that, know,
2: so. if I had known that, we, we did a uh, a birthday party for him on, in the studio one time. And we had this, this actor from uh, Tennessee come in and recite the raven over the phone. And we had a, <laughs> a birthday cake, a c- bottle of cognac, and three roses. And that yeah, was a pretty good deal.
1: And it was, oh. we like we did stir something up. I think it was the cognac, though. But I'm not sure. <laughs> stir that up, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, you know, you mentioned Richard's forthcoming book, but your book also comes out in September as well.
2: Right, called uh, Ghost Chronicles, oddly enough. Which is uh, <laughs> synergy uh, seven, across the brand. Yeah, seventeen of our cases, including uh, the Wyndham Restaurant, which we've been there a couple times, and uh, Exorcisms, the Lizzie Borden House. Yeah, Here my you favorite. Home. Your favorite. I would know that. And uh, you know it's it's kind of neat. It's 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 written in Maureen's point of view and my point of view. Uh, if, for those who don't know who Maureen is, she's a transmedium. You guys know what transmedium is, right? That's yeah. like you know the Whoopi Goldberg character and Ghost, yeah. where the spirit actually goes in her. So the uh, conversation changes from her to I, and actually the front changes too. So sometimes when she's not there, if you know what I mean. Uh, i have to take over and vice versa so it's kind of cool
1: that sounds very interesting and that comes out september 1st right it is and that's all available on your website as well
2: it will be in every good bookstore
1: around All right, well, then uh, definitely make sure that you check it out and uh, buy some tickets to some of these events because I'm sure they're going fast. And it's just, you know, some of these places that you get a chance to check out, like the Hawthorne Hotel, uh, everybody wants a chance to to go to Salem and investigate the Hawthorne Hotel. So uh, there's definitely a number of cool events there to check out. And uh, as Ron said, you know, they're affordable for people. They're different prices, but uh, there will be something that's definitely in your price range. And if you know the lobster dinner is – not your bag, but you choose to go to that event. You can take it home in a doggy bag. Bring it by the studio. Oh, we'll be happy to take you care you of that guys, for you. Guys, you know, <laughs> nothing. The only thing better than a lobster dinner is a free lobster dinner. There you go. All right. Well, uh, why don't we get back into it with Richard? And if you have any questions and you'd like to call in, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. You can also email us, Spooky Crew, at spookysouthcoast dot com. We've got the Spooky TV feed working through Justin TV. Now, if you go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, and you're not getting the video feed, uh, they've apparently changed the coding. They've changed the way they do the streaming. So just go to Justin.TV slash SpookySouthCoast, and you can pick it up there. And, of course, you can get the audio stream on WBSM.com and SpookySouthCoast.com as well. And, if, you know, quite frankly, if you're not getting the audio stream, then you have no idea what I'm saying, so it doesn't really matter all right well well put, put. <laughs> thank you <laughs> now richard are, are you excited to get the chance have you been over here a number of times to investigate or?
4: i've only ever been i've only ever been twice twice and that was b- both times to um uh california to to, to the to, to the queen mary um obviously we did we did three weeks over here with most haunted when mm-hmm. we did six locations
1: um, but yeah, you're I, not really I, getting a I, chance when when you're doing the program. You're not really getting a chance to get out there and really uh, explore some of these other places.
4: That's so true. And the second time I came over just before Christmas, um, and did a, a sort of ghost fest um, on the Queen Mary, and again I I did, didn't manage to get out and do anything. Uh, that's why I'm I'm so I really am extremely excited about what 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 I'm coming over to do with Ron. Um, because it means, I, as you just said, I can get out and actually do um, in investigations and, and go to these awesome places that he's got that he's got lined up for me. Uh, and of course, one of my my huge interests in life is is, is military history. Uh, I'm actually working on a TV uh, p- series at the moment that's going to be called Battlefield Ghosts, because nobody's done it, you know. I don't really realize that there's never. I mean, people have done battlefields, yes but nobody's done a series called battlefield ghosts and
1: they haven't really uh, gone into the to the you know the personal stories especially it's more about you know what's happened there and it's not about the the people and, and the spirits of the people who who actually were there
4: that's right i mean obviously the, the first thing you've got to be very careful of if you if you're doing a series like that is that you don't make it I mean, in other words oh another battlefield um you know oh there's grass and this these are the trees where the general uh, that's no good you you've got to have um associated sites, buildings, um prisons, um hospitals, um houses where people you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, and of course you you've got you've got so much of that over there. and and Ron's taking me down uh to, to Gettysburg for th- for three days and wow. I mean my, one of my interests in in life is, is the American Civil War. Um, General Custer, the Alamo—all that. Stuff. I mean, I've got two cats, one called one called Custer and one called Crockett, mad fool. And um, to, to be down on the, on the battlefield at Gettysburg is for me the ultimate. It really is. Um, the idea is to get me dressed up as a Confederate soldier uh, and use me as the biggest trigger obje- object you've ever seen um, uh, in um, in the um, Daniel Lady Farm, of course, which was a hospital, a Confederate hospital during the Civil War. Yeah, see, I don't think that's going to
2: work with you, because if you're in a a uh, Confederate uniform, you just fit in. So that's not a big deal. It's, it's not yeah. like we're doing down in Concord, however, where we're putting you in a red coat uniform, and you are a bloody red coat. And then we're bringing you to
4: the North Bridge.
2: So, I mean, if there ever was a trigger device, that would be it.
4: Well, let's do the same. Let's do the same at Daniel Lady Farm. Let's change change the script and 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 put me in, a, in as a Union soldier instead. And we could put it's you in the p- code. I, mean, I that think could that, could that would be, be better.
1: <laughs> I think you're gonna gonna get, you what, you're going to get ambushed by John Horrigan.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, very very quickly, we we did um, um, while we were in California on most haunted. We did a place called the Drum Barracks, which was again it was a um oh it was a barracks, obviously a Union barracks during the war. And and what we actually did while we were there, we actually because uh, Kieran O'Keefe, uh, who was our paranormal uh, parapsychologist, still still on the programme, can play the piano, and we were in the in the parlor in in the commandant's house, and and we played Dixie, and all manner of things started to happen. I mean, it was amazing. And then then we changed things to appease uh, whoever was there, and we played the battle hymn of the republic. And whatever was in the house was that seemed seemed to be tapping along to to, to the to the music. It, it really was something. It it can work. Mm-hmm. It was bloody good, I tell you.
1: So I'm hoping similar things could happen while I'm there. Well, uh, it, it it's definitely you know one of those places that's. Yeah. I don't want to say a holy grail for ghost hunters in this country, but it's definitely someplace that has to be on your map, Gettysburg, if you want to do uh, some, some serious paranormal investigation, just to you know experience a place where there could be so much uh, psychic energy. But one question I have for you is you're also going to be in Salem, Massachusetts, and I'm wondering what the global view is of Salem and the, and the witch trials and the stories that come out of there, because here when you talk about Salem and Salem ghosts, people kind of roll their eyes a little bit. I can understand that. Yeah,
4: I mean, number one, I don't believe in, um, you know, all these poor, unfortunate, uh, whatever, children, old ladies that were um, removed uh, for whatever reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, by by labelling them uh, a witch, uh, an evil uh, witch, of course, and and, uh, hanging them. Um, I would imagine that, because we have obviously similar, only on, you know, very much bigger scale in in England and Scotland, of course, uh, where we hanged and burnt in in, in Scotland an an awful lot of witches Um, that were nothing more than the wise one of the village, which of course is where the word comes from. You know, wicker craft meant the the, the craft of the wise, Um, and it didn't fit in with the, uh, certainly in England and Scotland, it didn't fit in with the the religion of the time, Um, and so they were removed. And I would say that these people were not, certainly weren't, it. yes, some of them may have been the neighbours from hell, um, hence the fact that people, you know, decided to, to get rid of the old the old deer out of the house and then take the house over themselves. But I would imagine that, that when they were tortured as they were, um, and then, you know, hanged very slowly at the end of a rope, which took them anything up to a quarter of an hour to die of slow strangulation, Remember, you're talking that this is your 83-year-old grandma that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I can imagine them being rather angry. And so, you know, they're probably still around,
1: to be honest with you. Hanging was kind of a fortunate death uh, for some of these witches because a lot of times they would try to disprove whether they were a whether they were a witch by uh, drowning them or stoning them and the idea being if they survived it they were a witch and if they didn't survive it, they were innocent but by then it was kind of too late well you also have so depressing
4: I mean just think about it guys I mean we've got as I say your, <clears throat> excuse me your 83 year old grandma uh, and she they, they, they tie her, her right thumb to her left toe and her left thumb to her right toe and throw her in the river. And if she if she drowns, it's all to do with baptism and the water. You know, the, back to the church again. The water's water's taken her in, and, and everything's fine. She's drowned. She's innocent. If she comes to the surface, and most of them did, because remember they wouldn't be wearing petticoats and more than one skirt and whatever. They'd balloon up. They'd float to the surface. Uh, and if they were if they came up, then obviously they were they were guilty. But not only them, that anybody else in the house, probably the husband as well would probably be implicated. So basically the husband was often standing
2: at the... In. ...which goes uh, through the, the real story. But, I mean, uh, you know, speaking about commercialism in Salem, I mean, is is that really bad, guys? I mean, there are witches in Salem, and they've got to earn a living like everyone else.
1: And for a city who, you know, if you have such a black mark in your history... If you can bring in tourism dollars, you know, as a result of it, it's, it's kind of a positive coming out of a negative.
2: Is it, is it a black moth that you're trying to bring out, or or is it uh, remembrance, you know, so it doesn't happen again?
1: Well, they've never shied away from the fact that they were wrong. So, I mean, as long as they're willing to admit that right. they made the mistake. I mean,
2: I, I know which is in the era. Christian Day, for instance, uh, who has uh, Hex downtown, I mean, he's got a working author in his store. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a witch, and he's got to earn a living like everybody else. Uh, of course, if you want to pay him f- to put a spell on your neighbor's cow, I'm sure he can do that, too. But he's got to earn money some way. So, uh, th- I mean, there's nothing wrong. We do these ghost hunt things. Is is that wrong? We don't charge investigations. That's when we are covering up. I mean, uh, covering our expenses and stuff. But uh, other things, too. I mean, look at the church, right? Major Gory and everything else, they sell all kinds of little souvenirs and everything
4: mm-hmm. there. It's, I mean, the ours. Pardon me? Lures Lord, yeah.
1: And it's
4: Pisa. You go to you go to Pisa in, 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 in Italy and see the Leaning Tower of Pisa and, and we're talking of an extremely religious but there's a huge cathedral right next door to it. And when I went I was absolutely horrified at the the tacky stalls that were all the way down the street leading towards the leaning tower of Pisa selling Leading towers. I mean, it's it's awful, but, you know, And as Ron says, look at the church. Same thing. Yeah, but, but nobody forces people to buy
2: this stuff. I mean, there's no, a demand
4: don't. for it. If there
2: wasn't a demand for it, oh, yeah, there you wouldn't there. sell it.
4: You know. That's right. Uh, to me... We, we sell T-shirts on our... Uh, for, for Ghost Walks, we sell all sorts of merchandise. I survived the Derby Ghost Walk. Oh, you know, all you that go. sort of stuff. And, again... We're, we're getting the message Even over, you guys, certainly. wait a minute. Don't, um, you, don't you guys have a store on your website? We do. Yes, indeed. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm, I'm
2: not talking going. about you, Richard. You know, it's not always about you, Richard. Felixfilms.net, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to pick the up. But Spooky South Coast, too. I mean, th- this is we well, got to earn a living. I mean, there's well, nothing sinful in that. In our case. We are earning a living. Well, all this, we, we all know <laughs> that, too.
1: But. I can say to people, in our case, it's not really about profiting so much as it is, Like, just as you said, you know, covering your expenses to be able to go out there and do this kind of stuff. And for us to put on this program, people don't realize we're not employees of the station, so therefore we're not entitled to a lot of the same things for the station. So we kind of have to, uh, you know, cover our own expenses in different ways. And if people are willing to, you know, pluck down eight bucks for a T-shirt, then we're happy to give it to them and, uh, w- with a lot of our paranormal events, we're just trying to make it so that people can get into an event so they can get into a place that they might not have gotten into otherwise. Right. Like Lizzie Borden's, we kind of just rent the place out for the night and then break up the expense over the different groups so that they don't have to pay you know, over $1,200 to get the place for the night. So th- there is money to be made, and the people who are really successful in this field have figured out how to do it. The really good ones have figured out how to do it and keep a balance where they're actually contributing something at the same time.
2: Are there that many in the field that do
1: that? That keep the balance? Yeah. Not not enough. Not enough. That's for sure. Right. But Richard, you're definitely one of those uh for sure.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> no, listen, I'll be very honest with you, this is my profession. Um it, I was a, I was a record dealer for 27 years. Um then I ran a heritage center and started doing ghost walks. Uh and it's it's literally taken me over. It's it's, it's my profession. I do lectures, talks, walks, uh, DVDs, books, uh, and it's it has become my profession but even so i'm still trying uh to tell the real story uh rather than the scooby-doo side of things sure. um so hopefully hopefully i'm adding something to it at the same time but as we all know we all have to put um um you know mails on the table, don't we?
1: Absolutely. And, and again, FelixFilms.net is the website for Richard's work, too, if you want to check that out. Matt, I know you want to ask him, Matt Costa, since he said he was a record dealer for many years, you want to ask him? I know you've been trying to get one for many years. What's up? He's still looking for the Robert Johnson, right? Oh, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever encountered a Robert Johnson album?
4: Oh, years and years ago. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I when I packed the business up, I actually ended up with. Well, it was mainly singles that, that we sold, pop singles, mm-hmm. uh, and I ended up with thirty thousand singles <laughs> that I didn't know what to do with. When I when I I I, I had this ridiculous midlife crisis um, at about forty and decided that I needed to um, open a heritage centre in the centre of Derby uh, and pack the record business up that had been going since 1925. Uh, and I ended up with thirty thousand singles um, in a warehouse, sitting doing nothing. Um, and I almost, almost gave them away. Uh, but it, unfortunately, it was mainly singles, not no, no, very few albums at all.
1: And then, of course, uh, they invented CDs and MP3s, and <laughs> all of a sudden yeah. records became wants more. The records anymore. No, no, now they're making a comeback. Now, I mean, yeah. I, I've got tons of albums that I just sit and listen to instead of playing them on the digital version. So there's it's... something about vinyl.
4: It really is. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that the others don't have.
1: It kind of has that same recording of energy factor to it that, you know, the paranormal has to it where it's, it's freezing it that moment on. in
4: time. Yeah, you've got it. In fact, there's a very interesting story. I don't know if you've heard of this, that uh, um, obviously with this business I'm on about with silica and, and all that sort of stuff, um, they're saying, is there just a slight possibility that one day um, we may be able to unleash, for want of a better word, the recording that was made into a... Um, a Samian ware pot by a Roman. By a Roman. In other words, the potter two thousand years ago has this big dollop of um, silica clay with iron oxide in it um, on his turntable, and it's turning round at so many revs per minute. And as he as he as he builds the, the clay up to, into a pot, he scores grooves in it. Um, will you one day be able to hear the sounds that were made in that Roman potter's workshop two thousand years ago? Wow. Are they stored in the pot?
1: That's very interesting. All right, well, I think we have a call on the line here. Why don't we go Woo. to the phones? Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick. How are you? Hello. It's a coast. <laughs> it cool. All right. Once, twice, sold. All right. If you if you'd like to call in, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. 508 291 Those are the numbers. You can also email us, Crew at spookysouthcoast.com. We're going to keep Richard for just a few minutes longer, and then we're going to let him get some sleep. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and we'll do the Week and weird a little bit later on as well. So, But why don't we take a break right now, and when we come back, we will talk more with Richard. And, again, if you have any questions, 508-996-0500, 508 291 I'm screwing up the phones here as we go along. But definitely call in, and we'll get you on the air. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
3: your lights, lock the doors and pull down the shades Spooky South Coast is back
1: It's not me, man I'm wearing deodorant Ah, the wonderful smells of fair that often waft into the studio Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, Ron Kolick from New England Ghost Project is here. Check out his show, The Ghost Chronicles, on ghostvillage.com. That's a lot of ghosts, for one sentence. There is. But, uh, you know, you can never give up the ghost. And uh, also on the line with us is Richard Felix. You know him from Most Haunted. He is a paranormal historian. Check out his website at felixfilms.net, and check out anyghostproject.com to find out where Richard is going to be for a series of upcoming events that he's doing with Ron and your chance to hang out, you know, meet and greet, investigate alongside, and maybe learn a little something that you didn't know about the paranormal. All right, we have a call on the line. If you'd like to call in, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred, five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. We're gonna keep Richard for just a few minutes and then let him go to bed because it's almost four in the morning. Or, good for uh, him. Almost five in the morning now, right? Any calls? Yeah, <laughs> it's almost time for you to wake up. <laughs> yeah, too, right. All right, well, we have the call on the line. Good evening. You are on with Ron and Richard.
4: Hello, Ron it's Bob. Hey.
3: Hey, how you doing? I was just chatting with Leslie on Facebook. She has some questions for Richard. you Richard away. ever used any tech- technology like a Frank's box in an
2: investigation?
4: I, funnily enough, I've, I've actually got, um, I was given an Ovalus which is a similar, similar, isn't it, type of thing to a Frank's box, oh. um, I think. Um, I've, uh, funnily enough, I've never used a Frank's box. Um, but the Ovilus I've had quite, quite interesting results with. Um, it's, it's sort of got 500 words in it that are all jumbled up, and, and you switch it on, and, and the, the spirit um, supposedly can actually pick the words and, and present them to you. And it, it has worked in a in a place that I've been in in, in England, where a guy um, was actually uh, out hunting, fell off his horse, oh uh, and was brought back okay. and died in this
1: one.
4: Yes.
1: And, and we, sir, we get a little bit of a cut out there. Bob, you still there? Yes, I'm right here. Okay.
3: Could you hear Richard at all? No, I heard, I heard nothing. My phone would not believe it.
1: That's okay. I guess we're having some problems connecting the Skype with the telephone, and it's, oh, okay. we're the only ones that use this kind of technology here at WBSM. So, <laughs> no,
3: Ron uses it too. I
1: know. We don't know it doesn't work until uh, until we come into the studio and try to use it. But but okay. uh, Richard was saying that he's used the obelus, and which for those who have never seen it, it, it it comes programmed as Richard said with 500 words, and it's along the lines of a Frank's box, but uh, instead of just reaching out randomly for what words are out there, it kind of has a, a programmed number of words, it's kind of like a speak and say for the for the dead. Oh, okay. All right.
4: Some of the I and mean, it has, when you hand me And you take Richard down to the uh, Lowell Cemetery.
2: Oh, to see Witch Barney? Yeah. I don't think he can handle it. He doesn't believe <laughs> in witches, oh, he doesn't believe in ghosts, you well, know, what I, the hell. We, I don't
3: think she's a witch, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> Trust me, I know Witch Barney. Okay. Yeah, I think you're thinking of a different Witch Barney. I which, which, party? Which, which one? Which <laughs> one? Which one was funny. But, you know, we actually used the hack shack, the shack hack, whatever the hell mm-hmm. that thing is, on uh, yeah. our last investigation. Yeah, and we, I was there. Yeah, and, and that was pretty cool, huh? Yeah. And we, we put it through amplified speakers and, and did it that way. And uh, I remember what Leslie, who was also on the line, was there, and she says that somebody else did it, and they actually had somebody write the questions down and then write the answers. And I said, how unscientific is that? Because you're relying on someone to hear it. and then you have to, it, Pretty much you should do it like an EVP, just record the thing and analyze it. You can break it down, you can slow it down, and you'll get a much better response. Well,
1: we, we've used it on a number of occasions, and when we use the Shack Hack, we try to initiate a conversation. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, we're trying to get direct response so that we know where to go with the questioning. And um, one of the times we used it, and I, I believe, Richard, I believe you were our lead-in on Most Haunted. Because we were on conversations with a serial killer and on, on the Living Network, and we were trying to track down the ghost of the Boston Strangler. Ah. And that's one of the first times that we used that and had a lot of positive results. And, and since then, I don't want to say we've become attuned to using it, because you can never really get attuned to that sound, but at least we find that we're able to discern what's crap and what's a direct response a little bit easier.
2: Yeah. See, I would like the proof. I would like to have it recorded so you, you know exactly Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: always going to make sure you run the yeah. recorder too, but exactly. at least we're trying to interact with right. it at the same I, time. Right. I understand that. All
4: right. I am I'm, I'm bringing my Ovalis over with me anyway.
1: There you go. It's it's small enough, it's portable enough.
4: Oh, exactly. So I'm, I'm
1: looking forward to using it over there and see what happens with it
4: because I have had some good results and I do think it's if if it can influence a table to move, then why can't it be able to pick sure. words out of a, a
1: machine. You know, I think it can. All right. Well, thank you for calling in and checking in. Okay. Have a good night, Bob. Cheers. Bye. bye, bye. Boy, we got to figure out that Skype problem. Didn't that happen last time, too? you think we would know that.
2: Yeah. No, you don't. Know, Skype's tough. I mean, that, originally when Richard started doing the, sh- the Ghost Chronicle International show, which is on Tuesdays at three o'clock, there you go. Uh, we used to use Skypes, and then it, with the delay and some of the other stuff, we, we just ditched it. And as, as it's gotten as
1: the program's gotten better, it's become a lot easier to use. But yeah. it, here in the studio, like not everything is connected to everything else, so the phone system isn't connected to the computer, which doesn't make any sense. But
2: so why should it? Right?
1: That's the way it's set yeah. up here. But you know, whatever. We can we can work around all that in the future <laughs> so uh yeah you had mentioned the obelisk and, and we use uh, as we were saying the radio shack hack which is just a modified radio shack AM/FM radio there's the yes. frank's box there's the the ghost box there's mike's so, tube yep there's so many different apparatus that you can bring with you on an investigation at least with the obelisk you know it fits in kind of can fit in your pocket so uh, you shouldn't have any trouble with that in your carry-on
4: let me ask That's you wait, let me yeah. ask
2: matt because he's like the science advisor right mm-hmm. so he like knows all things science we hope <laughs> so we believe him anyway the big ear you know, which is basically a parabolic yeah. dish that you go to bed i mean uh isn't that well let me hear what you say first well put it this
3: way uh i don't think it will hurt because a parabolic dish is going to direct energy whether it's spoken or it's spiritual it's Still, should reflect back to the uh, microphone.
2: So, I, I'm saying that's the one that where the mic is in the dish, and you're yeah. Is, aren't you more apt to pick up random conversation from someplace else? If you're in a you know closed room, no, you shouldn't. Why? Because you're amplifying.
3: You're only amplifying so yeah. much, but there's only so much that can come through. Huh. Uh, I've seen I've seen it work firsthand with uh, Mike Markowitz.
2: Yeah, I know Mike. I, the one thing about my, Mike's a great EVP guy. Yeah. But, but he's like, to me, he's almost over-equipped. It's he, he's so sensitive, so amplified, so thing that. Okay. I'm not sure. I understand, I understand his, where
3: you're trying to uh, yeah. trying to go, but I, you know,
2: I, and I'm not saying anything against Mike because he does great work. in mm-hmm. as far as i can he's one of the best
3: EVP specialists out there. But I've been doing recordings outside of just. You know EVPs. I worked for many years as a sound man for bands and doing recordings in okay, cool. recording studios. That's good. And uh, I I made it a point to contact all of the manufacturers of recording equipment, including microphones. Now microphones are shielded against outside extraneous noise. They're designed that way for a reason, and that has to do with FCC regulations. They are designed to prevent. Outside signals from coming in. So you know, a lot of skeptics saying, you know, it's stray radio signals. If the, you know, the microphone was made in the 1950s, yeah, maybe, because it doesn't have the shielding that we have today. Mm-hmm. And there, uh, a lot of uh, manufacturers now are getting extremely upset that people are trying to say that their equipment is defective mm-hmm. in picking this up.
1: Well, one thing though, Ron, in the idea of the parabolic ear and, and using those type of recording apparatuses. A lot of people are kind of making their own where they're building the dish from stuff they get at Home Depot and then they're putting a digital tape recorder in the middle and they're kind of using it as like an EVP parabolic setup. The problem with doing that, though, is so many of them are using voice-activated recording uh, devices to record with that when they are pulling in other sounds it's firing off a lot easier with mike it's a different story i think in my opinion with because he uses a lot of these condenser mics like we use here in the studio and i think what he's doing is he's just giving them better quality equipment that they don't have to strain themselves as much to be able to get across and giving them that phantom power at the same time to draw from uh but the the key in using his equipment isn't in you know picking up different uh, other conversations or other broadcasts or anything. It's being able to discern with his ear what was a response to a question, what was a conversation with something that wasn't there, and what might be a stray signal.
2: Okay, so that makes sense. I mean, i know when I did an investigation of at Fort Revere, and, I mean, there were, we were inside the bunkers, and we could hear, like, seagulls. So, I mean, they were that sensitive and that good that he was picking them up. They are great,
1: yeah. too. And, and yeah. like, I just wish we could replace our studio here with the stuff <laughs> Mike has. His headphones cost more than the studio. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we have another call on the line. Let's take this real quick, and then we'll let Richard go, because I'm sure he's uh, falling asleep listening to us. Talk. <laughs> fine. I'm fine. All right. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick. How are you?
0: Hi, this is Tom Lynch, Paratom.com. How are you doing?
1: All right. How are you? Hey,
0: yeah. All right. I hear you talking about the parabolic ear, and uh, I just wanted to throw in my two cents on the, the use of the parabolic ear during sure. an investigation. Uh, What I like to do when I'm using a parabolic ear, I like uh, the first 20 minutes of any investigation, I like to just sit, keep my eyes closed, and just listen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the parabolic ear will help me uh, hear every sound that the building is going to offer out to me. So then after the 20 minutes, when I start actually uh, moving from place to place, I will be able to detect sounds that I haven't heard during the first 20 minutes. Because I do believe you'll be able to get all the information you need on that building within the 20 minutes. And if you could get deep into the into the building and, and you, by using the parabolic ears, anything that you haven't heard in that 20 minutes is going to be something that raises the flag.
2: I'm a little so, bit confused. Are you saying that you do a sweep in a building or are you just sitting in one place?
0: The first 20 minutes, I'll sit in a central location. Just to bring in all the sounds that the building is going to make.
2: But you're not really doing that since it's directional.
0: Uh, well, you could you could take the parabolic the dish off and have just the mic.
1: But then you're like, left with just a microphone. Excuse me? Then you're kind of left with just a microphone, though. Without the parabolic dish around it, it's just well, a that, regular that's microphone.
0: That's true, but the, the microphone is highly sensitized as well, so it's going to be quite amplified. And, uh, but but yeah, it is a good a idea. I mean, yeah, No, yeah. The, the,
1: the theory is sound, though, no matter what equipment you use, that's, that's a great idea to sit there and just get you. Because so many times we rush into the building and we rush into starting the investigation that we don't right. allow ourselves to just hear the building settle.
3: It's called establishing a baseline. Oh, I like yeah. that. It's very scientific. That's why he <laughs>
1: dropped drops some science. Yeah, right. And it's gonna be, that building not, is going to you... offer every
0: sound it's going to make in that first 20 minutes. You're going to hear the furnace kick in. You're going to hear air conditioning. You're going to hear...
1: Moniz, breathing, floor, breathing
0: heavy. Every, everything that that building is going to offer you is going to be within that first 20 minutes.
1: All right, well, you thank you.
0: don't need your eyes. You don't need anything. You just need your ears. All
1: right. And you, the, the parabolic here actually... is
0: going to allow you to take in... Sounds from greater depth and that's really the the real use of a parabolic ear on any in- investigation.
4: Uh, R- Richard, you were saying? Yeah, I'm just finding that fascinating because that's something that uh, on any investigation I always do that, and I always make when we get people coming on events, I always make them sit down for quarter of an hour, twenty minutes in the dark, in c- centrally in the building, and just people the building listen to the building and and, you know get to hear those noises the dog barking outside and everything else um but i'm not i I actually must be honest with you haven't come across a parabolic ear before and and i would have thought perhaps the areas were good enough to hear all the sounds in the building um perhaps not but I, i just love what you're saying because i think you need to do that you need to listen to the building but you also need the building to listen to you
1: yeah, Definitely, no. Definitely the way to go about it. I'm, I'm guilty of it. I run right in and try to get things going. But, you know, also we try to set up when we're doing, you know, most of the time we're doing investigations in relation to the show, too. So we kind of, mm. like, might broadcast from there and we kind of got to check it out and see what kind of situation we can have for broadcasting. But I just like to go through with somebody and have a chance, kind of like you see on Ghost Hunters or, or shows like Most Haunted or Paranormal State, where you go through the house. You get an idea of what it is first. Uh, we did it at a place that we'll be investigating with DART coming up in a few weeks, and it just makes you aware of everything. It makes you aware of what can be there. And, you know, knowing where the uh, where the lights are, knowing where the different sounds might come from is one thing, but just tuning yourself into the energy of the building is, is just as important. Correct. Correct.
4: Because at the end of the day, guys, you do realize that the there the really is only one ghost detector, and that's us. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't.
1: <laughs> if the tree falls and nobody's there to hear it. All right. Well, yeah. Richard, we thank you very much for for waking up and no, hanging no, out no. with us and in, in the wee hours of the morning. And we promise that uh, from now on, you know, we'll we'll try to we'll work on your time next time. How about that?
4: That sounds fantastic. No, it's been absolutely great. Um, it's just getting light here, so I don't know. I might just stay up. But I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. It's been wonderful. Really Thanks. enjoyed it.
1: And we look forward. Maybe we'll get a chance to meet you at one of these events coming up when you're over here. Yes, please. All right. Thank you very much. And and you uh, enjoy your trip over here, and we'll talk to you soon.
4: I will. Thanks very much, indeed. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: See ya. All right. Well, why don't we – do we have to take any more breaks, Matt, or are we all set? Um, we should be all set. Okay. Well, then, you know, we can get a little weird if uh, – if you think we have the time. Uh, nah, nah, we don't have time. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock, and it's I'm like, a, yeah, we've we, we've got about five minutes left in the program, so we'll definitely be cutting it close. But, uh, I mean, absolutely, to, to be able to not only bring somebody with such a history uh, of investigating and such an expertise as Richard Felix has, but to be able to kind of bring that cultural gap, you know, close that cultural gap between us and people in the UK, their view of spirits, our view of spirits, and to be able to, to bring those together is, is really a chance for people who go to these events to get the best of both worlds.
2: You know, it's kind of cool because they really do think differently than we do, and, and we do different ways, you know, different things from they, the way they And not right. just how we drive right. down exactly. the street yeah, either. Yeah. Huh? But, you know, I remember uh, last year when uh, David Wells was here, and we made uh, we were in one of the lighthouse things, one of the thing, And we made contact, and there I was. I had a pendulum in one hand and an EMF meter in the other hand. And so I'm getting these EMF readings, and the pendulum's giving me answers answer. And, and David was astounded. At, like, you know, Karen O'Keefe would, you know, roll over in his grave if he was dead, uh, if he saw that, because it's a mix of the science and the spirituality. But I think that's kind of what we want to do. We want to explore and use any tools we have.
1: You know I would have told you uh you know four almost you know four or five years ago when we started doing this I would have told you I I don't really need a medium along I don't really need any of this metaphysical stuff I just need the hard data and the scientific data But as I've come to realize, and and people who go to these events will realize, too, that when you mix a lot of different approaches up, you're going to find out that not only do you have more activity happening, but it's more verifiable not just to yourself but to other people. You can say to somebody, hey, I've got this great EVP, and they'll say, yeah, great, but what did the psychic say? And then you'll say to other people, oh, the psychic told me it was this person. Yeah, but what did the EVP say? Exactly. So the fact that you can kind of appease everybody by by using that, and I don't think it hurts, I guess, to –
3: you data know, is data. Where it comes exactly. from is, you know.
1: You know, we, we've we worked with, with mediums at the Lizzie Borden house that will help direct us in terms of the activity. And I don't discount what they're saying, but I would never rely on just that. No, it's just yeah. another tool in your toolbox. Exactly. Yeah. And and when you're doing it and, you you know, you have a, a medium there and you can kind of cut corners a little bit sometimes, too, you <laughs> know. You could say, hey, why don't you call out Mr. Borden because, you know, we're, we're messing around here with Lizzie and she's not giving us anything. Come on, you try and make that connection, and if it works, it works.
2: I have a quick question for Matt. Sure. Now, you we were talking a little bit about the Lizzie Borden house, and, you, and, and both of you guys actually were in the basement, and you said something went right through you? Yeah, I didn't like that. What, tell me, what, what was it like? What did you feel? What there the, was experience? a
3: charge of electricity. It just I saw it coming, and a, like a cool breeze wave hit me, and it was like I could definitely feel the... Uh, a charge. Um, if you're looking for an emotional reaction, I it happened quick enough that it I I couldn't emotionally uh, pick anything up on it. It just the fact that it was definitely energy, definitely was something that went, like I said, through me, for all intents and purposes, and it just made every single piece of hair on me stand up.
2: No,
3: was this the, the shadow dude? Yeah. So did it? I saw it come. Did it block I, out the light as you? Guys, as it oh yeah, I was it? looking right at mm-hmm. it as it
1: came through the wall
2: at me. Said, and Tim, you saw that too?
1: I did. Uh, and when I first stared at it head-on, like I was a little thrown off by it in terms of I thought it had to have been one of our reflections or something because it was so uh, kind of crystal clear in its shape. But then, as it turns out, it's standing, and, you know, there's no surface for it to reflect off. I was standing freely in the middle of no, the
3: basement. Well, you guys were standing, I, I believe, behind me because I have
1: my back to you guys. Mm-hmm. Did, did you see the thing go through me? I did not see it. No, what happened was I, I had just gone into that room, so my eyes were kind of adjusting to the change in direction, and all I see is you just reacting to it. And, you know, for, when Matt Moniz says, whoa, in an investigation, <laughs> then you stop. And so he he reacted in that way, and then the next thing I know, he's, like, just pointing out his arms, and the hair is, like, literally an inch off his arm. And then he explained to us what happened, and then almost immediately after that, you started to detect that smell, too. Yeah. So, and then, you know, you detected it, but the rest of us couldn't really pinpoint where it was coming from. So I don't don't know if maybe it was making you aware, or...
3: It got my attention. It got my undivided attention. Physical marks, any. no real physical marks. Just, uh, it, like I said, it was very quick. The way it, we, it, I think, I surprised it because I stepped in its path. Uh, like
1: almost like it wasn't trying to jump into you, or jump through you. But you just kind of yeah. train wrecked at the right time.
3: Yeah, because it, it, as you recall, I was walking into mm-hmm. the room at the time it was coming from. Because. We, we were trying to trap it. Tra- 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 trap it, yeah, and I stood in the line, of, stood in his line, and it, it went right
1: through me. <laughs> He's
2: like, you stand in this room, you stand wait, wait, in this room, you stand you in room. You can there. trap a spirit. We were trying you, to corner general, those little proton packs. No, to, I they were trying to corner it we in were, one room.
1: We were just trying to. Uh, just I, I don't get that. Yeah. Corner. How can you corner it?
2: Well, it when can you can a, spirit, go... can a spirit
1: do whatever it, it wants? and it can, and it and did. It, it, did. <laughs> yeah, it, it did, did, but we were trying to all, you know, descend upon it and then see how it reacted. So we use, what is it is that really your paranormal brain
2: working, or is that your human brain working, saying, you know, you're considering a spirit as a physical entity Where is it? I mean.
3: I, looking at it as something sentient, it's, it's reacting to us, reacting to it. Yeah. Okay. It's kind so, of,
1: if, if we thought we could corner it, maybe it would play along almost
2: i just i just find that interesting you know i really do that you know that you would actually think that you could call it but i i understand it now what you're talking about that did your we were trying to get it in one
3: room it. to observe it m- right. more than anything else and it was observing us at the same time mm-hmm. for a lack of a <laughs> an explanation because it made no bones about us seeing it and it seeing us so
1: Hopefully it comes back out again the next time we're over there. It was definitely interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, we are just about out of time on the program here. Next week we will be here, uh, I guess, in prime time because the Red Sox are going to be on at 8 o'clock. So either we're not going to have a show or we'll be on from like 6 to 7.20. I'll check with the higher-ups here at WBSM, but we'll figure it all out. It'll be posted up on SpookySouthCoast.com. And, of course, we'll put it up on the Twitter feed, Twitter.com slash SpookySC. And, of course, you can always email us to double check. Spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com You can get us there all week long So until then, from Matt Costa From Matt Moniz, for Ron Colick We want you all to stay spooktacular
3: Rest assured, listener That my time here has not been easy And what you have just heard Was not fiction Although In many a desperate moment I most certainly wish it had been it's over for now, it seems, or at least until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow,
4: tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does